This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World from Radio New Zealand National. First, Alison is off on a spider hunt with Lincoln University PhD student Vicky Smith. It's a cool winter's evening. It's just starting to get dark and you're looking at a clay bank. <laughs> yes. So it's a pretty nondescript clay bank at the side of a road. Trapdoor spiders particularly like clay banks. They like a bank on a slope where the water will drain down rather than soak into the ground. And this is where I tend to find them. Have you only just discovered this population here? Yes, I only discovered it yesterday. Um, I came here with a friend. I happened to look at the clay bank and found trapdoor spiders. Because now you know exactly what you're looking for. Yes. (laughs) So they're living clearly in a little tunnel that they make for themselves in the bank? Yes, indeed. They dig a tunnel that can be up to 30 or even 40 centimetres deep. Oh, a really long tunnel? Yeah, really long tunnel, and they line it with silk. And this side of Southland, the top of the tunnel, is covered with a lid, which is very cryptic and makes them very hard to find. So this is a lid that they make out of silk and mud, basically? Yes, silk and mud, exactly. They And they decorate it with moss and grass and anything else that they find in the environment so that basically it looks like exactly like the soil around it. So that somebody like me walking past wouldn't even notice, but no. with your eagle <laughs> trapdoor spider eyes... Yes, when I first saw one, I really didn't think that that was anything at all. I, my advisor was saying, um, look, there's one, and I was thinking, where, where is it? Where is it? And it took me ages to be able to get my eye in, but now I can see them from the road. <laughs> OK, so show me one. <laughs> <laughs> there's one here. She says lifting up a little trapdoor, and there's the, the entrance to a tunnel. Wow. You're kind of looking for a little bit of soil that looks slightly out of place and looks like it could be lifted up. And then if you lift it up gently, then, yeah, there's this kind of gaping hole. And Cantuaria um, trapdoor spiders, proper trapdoor spiders, they have a very smooth inside of their burrow. And there's another one just here that's a little one. Searching. Oh, here's another one here, look. So clearly we have trapdoor spiders all over New Zealand? Yeah, you get them as far north as Whanganui in the North Island. Now the idea is, you need to sample these, you want to collect something? Yeah, I would like to collect some of them. So okay, I'm so you've got to... a small spider living at the end of a very long tunnel. And yes. how are you going to do that? Oh, There's she's one. just found another one. Yep, I have this beetle, his name is Terrified Pete, and he's a mealworm beetle. And he wears a little harness, and I walk him along in front of the burrow, and the spider is attracted by him because he's prey, and comes out, and then... The beetle usually gets away unscathed. The spider is just going to respond to the patter of little beetle feet. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Exactly. So they've got these radial strands of silk that 
uh, radiate out from the entrance of their burrow. Then they're called radio, radial strands. Oh, so it's waiting for the beetle to trip over them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. They're very sensitive, though, very sensitive to any kind of movements near their burrows. But if you're very, very quiet, you can sometimes catch them with their feet stuck out and then they definitely find the beetle. That's a massive one. Now, you said that was a monster tunnel that you just found. Does the size of the tunnel relate to the size of the spider inside? Absolutely, yeah. So when the spiders are born, they make tiny little tunnels. Um, but as they grow older, um, they widen the tunnel. So every, every year they widen it. And um, so the bigger tunnels tend to be the adult spiders and the tiny little tunnels are the babies. And in fact, they don't even leave their mother's burrow until um, they're about six to 18 months old. The mother looks after them all that time until they can fend for themselves. There must be quite a lot of competition going on for food here because you found at least five burrows. Yes, you get these dense populations and a um, lady who used to study them called them minefields. Um, and they call, she called trapdoor spiders minefield spiders because they build these kind of minefields for insects. So if you're an insect walking across here, you don't really have much hope. They're quite useful for farmers because they, they not only kill insects, but they drag them underground as well, neutrifying the soil. So this little minefield of, of spiders we've got here. Yeah. High chance that they're related, that they're ones that have just gone over. This is a lovely little bank where mum lives. We'll just live next door. Absolutely. So when they hatch, they stay with their mother for six to 18 months and then they leave, but they only walk a couple of centimetres around her burrow before they build their own burrow. They'll stay there for the rest of their lives and for, for a female spider, that could be up to 25 years. 25 years? Yes. So these are my gallimorph spiders related to tarantulas and tunnelweb spiders. They're very long-lived spiders. They're completely different infra-order from the spiders that you, like the white tails and the orb-web spiders that you find spinning webs. So I've switched to a red headlight now uh, because it's getting dark and I think they might start um, thinking about having some food and spiders can't see red light. They can see the white light so they might get disturbed by my headlight if it's white but if I switch to red then they can't see it. And I think we can try and get some out. What did you call your beetles? Terrified Pete. His name's Terrified Pete, yeah. And here's oh, look, one that one I used the other day. Yes. <laughs> Not too hard to put a leash on them. Just a piece of cotton but between their thorax and their abdomen. Yeah. Now, is this a standard way of catching these spiders? No. So it's... this is something you've invented then? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I had a dream about it, um, and then I thought that would be a really silly way of going about things. But then I was talking to my advisor, and we were thinking of ways that we could catch them, and we kind of both converged on this idea that we could har harness the beetle. And I was so glad because I thought it was a very silly idea to start with, but it's actually worked really well. The alternative is digging them up, which is really laborious. Their burrows wind around rocks and tree roots, and the ground gets the ground is really hard as well sometimes. So, what kind of spider are we expecting to come out? A kind of dark, chunky-looking mini tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> and how big-ish? Probably about a centimetre long. Okay. Can um, I see your beetle in action? Yes. <laughs> yep. He just thinks he's getting a nice drink. He doesn't realise anything's up. They're kind of very bumbling. And each beetle has a different character too. I found that some of them won't turn left and some of them are really obstinate. They don't. They want to go into a particular direction and they won't go in any other direction, no matter how hard you try. How long does it usually take? 
usually either immediately or about sort of three or four minutes. Oh, that's pretty fast. Yeah, much faster than digging, I, I have to say. Um, I never get over the tension. Because when you've seen them come out, they're so fast. But you've caught a few by now? Yeah, I've caught 210. So that one isn't coming out at the moment. I'm going to try and warm Pete up a little bit because he's a little bit cold and moving very slowly. <sighs> Poor darling, it is quite a cold <laughs> night. I can't offer you my hand to warm it up because I think it would make things worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just stuff him down my bra. Well, this barrow is ever so slightly open, so I'm wondering if she's got her feet out on the radial strands to feel any vibrations, any insects that walk past. And unlike most spiders, they can tell the difference between a beetle and an electric toothbrush. Do I take it from that that some people use electric toothbrushes to lure spiders out? Yes. Um, that's a very successful method of getting them out. Pretty much any spider will be flummoxed by an electric toothbrush. Apart from these particularly smart ones? Yes. These ones are especially immune to the toothbrush method. Did you try the toothbrush method on I them? did, yeah. I tried it many times. I think it would be excellent if it worked. But it didn't work. Unlike the super successful but not tonight. Yes. <laughs> As an exception, tonight it is not successful. But yes, this has always been successful. It does require you to be very kind of gentle so as not to spook the spider with your movements or moving the beetle in an unnatural way. So these spiders are endemic to New Zealand? Yes, they're in the family Idiopidae, which includes all the trapdoor spiders um, and some close relatives in Australia. But this genus, Cantuaria, is only found in New Zealand and it's the only member of the Idiopidae that is found in New Zealand. And part of what you're doing for your PhD is trying to work out how long they've been in New Zealand for, so are they a recent arrival or have they been here for a long, long time? Yep, exactly so. The vast majority of New Zealand's wildlife seems to have made it here across the ocean by dispersal. But these spiders, it seems so unlikely because they're so like hermits. They stay in the same place their whole lives. And when the little spiderlings make um, a new burrow it's usually like a couple of centimeters away from the mo mother so they're not they're not great travelers so how do they make it across the Tasman and I'm thinking maybe they came with Zealandia when it broke up but um, during the Oligocene Zealandia sunk and we're not sure how much land was available for things to survive on there's quite a lot of evidence that there was a bit of land during the Oligocene, even when the waters were at their highest. But whether that land is still available today and we're available for things to survive on or not is uncertain. So hopefully my research will show us whether there's likely to be a lot of, a lot of land available during the Oligocene or not. So you're doing this genetically, looking at the, how the genetics of these ones compare to the Australian ones? Yes, exactly. So I have some samples from Australia and I'm doing a like a family tree type thing called a phylogeny of Cantuaria and going to see how long ago they diverged from the Australian genus. And I'm doing that using a molecular clock, which can be calibrated using the rate of evolution of the species or using geological dates. Oh, did you see that lid twitch? 
I'm quite excited now. <laughs> yes, it's very tense. Especially with the big ones, because you, you never get you never get used to how big they can be. And they charge out of their burrows at an amazing rate. So it's gonna be a bit like the the alien boosting out of Sigourney Weaver's stomach? Pretty much the same thing, yes. Can't wait. Very, very, very quick. But this one's got shy again. The males come out at this time of year, and one reason that they might come out at this time of year to find the females is because they are a bit sluggish and are less likely to come out and attack them. I have a captive one in my office, and she might come to the beetle, because that's she certainly has done before. Yeah, I don't think she's going to come out. OK, plan B. Plan B. We retreat to the office, and we try it again with your pet spider. Yes. <laughs> So we've been driven inside out of the cold <laughs> and we're back at the university and we're heading into your lab but you've donned your red head torch already. Yeah. So you don't actually know what she gets up to at night? I don't know, no. I've um, had limited success with keeping Cantuari in captivity and I'm really not sure what, what her routine is but luckily um, my office mates have left the, the light off and it's nice and dark in there so she should think that it's night. Okay, so let's go and undo the terrified Pete beetle routine. Yes. So she lives in that jar over there. So she's got a tunnel down into the jar? Yeah, so I tried to find jars that were around about 30 centimetres tall for her to tunnel into. So do you ever see her? I never see her, no. How do you know she's still alive? Occasionally I accidentally destroy the lid and then the next day it's rebuilt again. And sometimes I even see her little feet poking out in the evenings when I'm about to leave. But yes, they're not the most um, engaging of pets. The main reason why I keep her is I'm wanting to do a study on venom. Collecting venom from her is much easier if I can do it in lots of different, smaller amounts. How venomous are they? Um, well, so far they seem to have a very concentrated venom, though I'm not sure how strong it is with regards to humans. I don't think that they're particularly dangerous. See, the beetle's moving a lot quicker. Scurrying about. There she is, can you see her feet? Up there. Oh, yes. She's quite big, I warn you. There she is, did you see her? Oh, wow, she's huge. She's got the beetle. Can you hear her crunching? Put the microphone up. So her name is Sweetheart. She's got a beetle and she's backed, backed down her hole. Bye. She's so beautiful. <laughs> Can't get oh, it's fantastic. With these great big chunky glossy black fangs. It's absolutely stunning. And her body's brown with sort of little pale stripes on it. Are the females bigger than the males? Yes, the females are usually much bigger than the males. The males have long legs and small bodies because they go running around looking for love in the cooler months and the females have big chunky body bodies um, and they just stay in their, their burrows for their whole lives. So how's your work going? Have you got any preliminary <laughs> results yet? You've, you, you've got a sense that there are probably fewer species than forced to describe. What about the yes. genetics work? Are you making progress with that? I am, yes, and there's some interesting um, things with that. There seems to be there's two big species that I'm looking at, which is Cantuari dendii, which is this one here, and Cantuari johnsi, which is the big three centimetre one from the west coast. And um, so far the johnsi ones seem to be the same species as a lot of 
other ones on the west coast. Um, but then there's one kind that looks identical to the main Johnsies, but has completely different DNA. And it's the same story with the Dendii. So there's a, a group of Dendii mixed in with a bunch of other species that are supposed to be different species, but they seem to actually be the same species. And then there's a, a couple of populations that are genetically completely different from the other Dendii. It's a bit murky. It's very murky. It's completely different from what was previously thought and what's described in all the books, which is a little bit annoying because I'm supposed to be studying their biogeography, but I'm ending up studying their taxonomy. But it's all kind of exciting because I keep finding out new things about these things that nobody's really done much study on. And that was Vicky Smith, a PhD student in the Department of Ecology at Lincoln University. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kia ora mai.